Hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast where I'm joined by Mr. Jason Hunt or J Hunt Official as he's got under the name there. Jason, thank you very much for taking the time to come on to the podcast and uh, yeah, this should be a good session. Yeah, definitely. And Craig, thanks for having me and thanks for joining me on my podcast as well. So um, we had a great conversation there and I guess this could be the, the sequel to that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But for anyone who doesn't know you, haven't ever heard of you, can you give us just a brief introduction of how the hell you are where you are just now? Yeah, definitely. So uh, it, it's funny, I... I I really didn't, I kind of stumbled sort of in the marketing because back in, in 2007, I lived in Japan. I lived there for four years and I had a band and I was the front man of the band. And I realized through the experience of being in a band and playing music, which was fucking awesome. Um, I realized I liked promoting the music more than making and performing the music. So that was kind of like my epiphany and my calling, you know, using platforms like MySpace and Facebook was just emerging at the time to promote my band and get more ears listening to my music that was kind of that dopamine hit for me was uh, was experienced through that whole experience so um fast forward and uh i started a social media agency back in 2016 doing essentially what i was doing for my band for small businesses little restaurants you know knocking on doors banging on windows to try to drum up business back in 2016 social media was still cutting edge so it was actually quite easy to drum up clients and got a hundred clients in, in probably about six months and started hiring a team around me and uh, offering really like social media packages, daily posting for like $199 a month, like insane, right? Um, irresistible offers. But at the time, like I said, there wasn't as much competition. This is before the days of Ty Lopez and this SMMA program, you know? So, um, so it was a good opportunity to get into it at the time. Then in 2019, I merged my company uh, with, uh, my business partner, uh, Todd Foster, uh, who owned an SEO company called Casio. So we merged our two companies together to form Merged Media. And fast forward to today, and I'm spending a lot of my time traveling around, speaking on stages and, and hosting events and doing a lot of fun stuff and meeting people like you. <laughs> that nice journey. And uh, I didn't realize that you only started properly like in 2016, as you said, um, yeah. So yeah, actually I, I was an employee for uh, prior to that 2011, I joined a traffic company uh, mm -hmm. where I was helping buying, sell traffic on websites, uh, you know, uh, in the adult niche. And uh, that's how I got uh, in touch with a lot of the events that I'm, uh, some of the events I'm speaking at now, but also that transcends over to affiliate marketing as well, where I'm speaking a lot at affiliate marketing conferences and such. So I'm going to go back to 2016 when you started out your own company um, and you mentioned there you got like 100 clients in six months. Now, a lot of people who watch the stuff that I provide are trying to get into it. You know, they're working in agencies. They're trying to start up their own side hustle like you were probably in 2016. And before you know it, you've got 100 clients and, and before you know it, you've, you're starting to hire staff. Um, but first and foremost... Was it you leveraging your social media skills to get those 100 clients in six months? Because that's impressive. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, what it what it, it was a lot of hustle. 
obviously. And, and, and at the time, just to give a bit of, of a backstory, I was, um, I left my last company, the traffic company. And then at this point in time, I hit this crossroads where it was either I can join another traffic company, making a really good six figure income, doing the affiliate marketing side of it, working as an affiliate manager, or I can go ahead and start my own business as a social media agency, making pretty much dog shit and just working from the ground up. The best decision I ever made by far. And the day I made that decision was the same day my wife told me she was pregnant with her second kid. So it was wow. like, holy shit, uh, my back's up against the wall now. Failure is not an option, which made me just have to bust my ass day in and day out to generate sales, to generate business, to afford the roof over, over our heads and food on the table. Right. So that helped a lot. That helped the hustle. And it was also 2016 living, breathing, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk at the time that was like hustle life. Right. And just like. It, 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 just taking that all in as well as kind of like, you know, the mentor as I'm going door to door trying to drum up business. But what helped a lot is getting some really big accounts uh, earlier on. So uh, I got this massive shawarma restaurant called Osmos back at the time. It's a big uh, franchise here in Canada uh, for shawarmas. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew who they were. So the minute I had that account, I would literally go into plazas that had an Osmos in it, knock on every one of their doors and say, hey, I work with those guys. Check out their social media. And if you like what they do, we can do that for you. And that seemed to be a really good strategy is just leveraging something that's working really well for a well-known name. And that's your social proof right there. That's your, that's your credibility right there. Right. Yeah. So that helped out a lot. And then hiring another salesperson to help me there as well. Obviously, there's bumps along the road as well, because you, now you have to do the fulfillment side of it. It's great to sell something cool. But what about fulfillment? So um, at first. I was starting to burn out. So that's when I made the best decision at hiring somebody to do the fulfillment who's still with me today, which is awesome. Um, so I, I want to talk, touch a little on the fulfillment side again. A lot of my audience uh, go through, similar to what you've probably done, you know, there's, you hire someone, someone drops out, you know, the, the hiring and firing process when you're starting out can be a bit tedious, but the person that you said still with you to this day, are they someone local to you or are they a remote worker? You're local. Local. His name's Dave. Uh, Dave was hired as the, as the content creator back in 2016, and uh, he's evolved from that role um, to, you know, running an entire department, running the social ads department, managing a team. And now he works closely with me on inside sales. So he's uh, he's definitely evolved uh, from that role. But um, man, loyalty is tough to find. And when you find somebody that's as loyal as a guy like Dave, you, you hang on to those people. Um, you know, uh, they'll always be with you through the thick and thin. And, and he's, he's had a lot of late nights. He's got to the point of burnout before as well. And, and we worked with him through that, but, um, man, he's, uh, those guys are not easy to find. No, I think, uh, loyalty and, and, and stuff is, is difficult. That's why I think a lot of people struggle, um, especially when it comes to seeking local people, you've obviously felt lucky, having someone close to you, but I know a lot of people who build their teams abroad and stuff just because they can't find anyone local. So you kind of want to watch there, so to speak, which uh, is great. But do, do you, obviously you've got a team, you know, multiple staff there, teams, as you mentioned, do you, is it all local or is, is it kind of a hybrid model or? Yeah. So, so yeah, so we, we actually acquired another social media agency early in 2022. 
um, and we took their team in, uh, all their employees, uh, you know, took on their accounts as well. And that helped us out a lot on the social side of it from a creative standpoint. It's funny the transition that's happened in their business over the course of the last three years. We used to be a boys club. We used to be about 15 guys, one girl, right? And, and they're all local. And then we have changed to an agency of three males and we got 10 females. So um, it, it's funny how that changed. And that's the, that's the internal team. So we get together. We work remotely, but we all get together in our office here in Guelph, Ontario, Canada, once a month, hit the whiteboard, talk about clients, strategize, create content. And then we kind of say, go, go do your thing, work, get your stuff done. We actually were forced into that kind of uh, a model uh, from the COVID, right? COVID, uh, before COVID, we were in the office four times a week. But then we realized it's like, holy shit, people are way more efficient and productive when they're at home in their silos. Right. Yeah. And uh, but with that being said, we have our team that's, that's locally based. We do all of our strategy here in, in Canada, but we do have a team in the Philippines that we've been using for years as well. And um, they're full time employees and we treat them as full time employees. And they've been with us for years because that's one thing for anybody that's 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 had out, uh, people outsourced. Um, their good ones are hard to find. So when you find good ones, you hang on to them and take care of them, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another thing I want to to touch on is obviously you mentioned the COVID situation and people having to work from home. How do you, how did you manage to keep these people motivated? Because again, another common complaint is people are not as efficient sometimes they get lazy they they get into a rut what what sort of tips could you give us in terms of trying to incentivize these people whether it be through bonus or perks or how do you keep them yeah are you referring to to local employees or off uh, offshore yeah no the the local ones, the local in ones yeah they're working from home that's a very good question because um not everybody can work from home we actually um, had to let go of somebody yesterday that we hired quite recently and come to realize that they were not very productive working from home. It's not for everybody. Some people need to be working in an environment like this. This is this was now this was somebody that um, for years was working in an office environment. And we said, hey, one of the big perks of working at Merge is you get to work from home. And then we slaughter into that role. And it's like you're not getting anything done. Like it's just not happening. So it's actually not for everybody. And, and we noticed that when we made that switch, um, efficiency for a lot of employees fell off the radar. It, it fell off. It's like people were not hitting deadlines. They were not getting things done. But I think one of the important things is having those regular check-ins. And it's easy to say, hey, let's have regular check-ins. But it's literally tattooed into your Google Calendar. Right. Like like it's in your Google Cal. You're showing up every single week and we're having this weekly meeting with the team to hold everybody accountable. Right. And, and I think that's that's key. It's just the accountability side of it, because um, if you don't have, you know, stern or, or rigid um, follow ups in place or accountability measures in place, it's easy for things to fall off for people. Right. Because, I mean, one of the things as a, as a business owner that you come to understand is nobody's ever going to take as much pride or care for the business as you do. Right. So you have to hold those people accountable. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to your, so we'll go away from the bad stuff, staff and <laughs> management, which everyone hates. I'm sure all the staff are good, 
But I want to talk a little bit about the acquisition of another social media company. Um, obviously, I think that's quite a clever move, taking their team, taking the accounts on. Um, but what does a process like that look like if anyone's watching going, great idea, I could buy up a smaller outfit? How long does that process take? Because um, it's got to go through a lot of legals and stuff, right? Yeah, you know what? This Our, our situation was, um, it was a little unique because the, the woman that owned the company was actually, um, she ended up uh, having a job at another agency as a full-time employee. So what she was more um, motivated by was a company or an agency that was able to just take on their uh, employees. And yeah. obviously take on the clients, because if you look at the P&L for that company, essentially it was roughly a break even based on the salaries for the employees that we were taking on and the monthly recurring revenue that was coming in from the clients that they had. Yeah. So for us, I mean, that's that was a perfect scenario for us because we just needed to take on a, a team that could take on more work, you know, and they had that sort of bandwidth to take on more work. So it was a perfect scenario for us. Their employees, absolutely amazing. The girls are great at what they do. Um, and uh, and then we took on their clients as well. Where were some pretty, they're, they're more on the, on the higher end, higher paying clients, but they only had a, a handful of them. So for from a legal standpoint, there really wasn't a whole lot involved. What was funny though, was months later, um, the, the woman that owned that company ended up uh, parting ways with the agency she was at. And then we hired her on as an employee. So she, yeah, and she's a rock star. And so she's now she gets to work with her old team and she's super happy and she no longer needs to be in control of owning a business, which is something a lot of people don't think about. It's like owning a business is not for everybody. Right. Yeah. And she's totally happy making more than she made owning the agency. And and now she doesn't have to worry about all the business manager stuff and she can just go and crush it and do her job and manage manage accounts and clients, which is which is what she loves to do. Yeah, I think there's an interesting thing there where I don't know if you're aware of this company, but Gymshark, um, the owner of Gymshark actually hired a CEO um, because he wanted to continue in the marketing department for a number of years. He didn't want to be the, the business owner. Um, mm. So it's quite interesting you say that that person's come back, potentially earning more, potentially happier than they've ever been. They've obviously got a few quid in their back pocket from the the sale. Yep. And uh, like you say, business ownership is not for everyone. No, it's 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 definitely not. And and I think, you know, it, it's interesting. I think it's a good segue just to kind of talk a bit about the importance of partnership, right? Like, um, you know, I, I think partnership is probably one of the most important um, important challenges in business. Because, you know, if you partner with the wrong person, things can go pear-shaped pretty quickly. We actually had a client, a client that was super successful. They owned a, a sauce company where all the local stores, grocery stores carried their sauce. They were super popular. Um, but the company went, had to go bankrupt. There were three partners involved and one of the partners just went, went crazy and, and wanted to be bought out and it caused massive friction. They ended up just killing the product. Super, it was a profitable company. Um, they just, they, they didn't even want to buy it out of spite because they didn't want this one partner of the three to get any sort of money out of it or any sort of benefit out of it. And that was just where something kind of went pear-shaped. Even in our own business, we had a previous partner that didn't really mesh well with me. And, uh, you know, we didn't see eye to eye in a lot of things. And he, all, he, his strengths were a lot of the same strengths I had as well. 
So it just didn't really mesh. Um, so we ended up buying him out of the company. Um, my business partner, Todd, is a perfect match. He compliments everything that I suck at. He's technical. He's the SEO guy. He's, he's into all, all the weeds of that type of stuff that I don't really find too sexy. So uh, on my end, I'm the guy that's the brand ambassador talking on stages, going to shows. That's that's my comfort zone. That's what I like doing, which is definitely not what Todd likes to do. So um, that's where it works really well together. That's why I think it's super important to, to, to match with the right people earlier on. Just because you connect with somebody and you hit it off really well doesn't mean they're going to make for a great business partner. No, I think uh, you you hit the nail on the head when you say you've got to complement each other. You know, if you are more comfortable on stage and on video, on podcasts and so on and so forth, there's obviously a massive benefit to doing all of that stuff. But uh, likewise, the you know the part the other partner's got to to be doing something equally of value. Um, but Todd is a great guy, someone I met out in Prague with yourself for the first time. I've been aware of Todd for a number of years in the SEO space, but how did, how did you guys actually meet? How did that uh, friend, I'm assuming you became friends or worked together before he became a partner, right? It's really funny the way it worked out, actually. So, um, so Todd actually lives across the street from one of my childhood best friends. So it, it, like me and his name's Chad. We were friends since we were five years old. And uh, Todd happened to live across the street from him. And we showed up at his birthday party together and got talking. And then from there, uh, we ended up uh, saying, well, you own a SEO company. I own a social company. Let's, let's, we had a couple, couple meetings just about potentially exchanging services. And then he said he had some office space available in his office. So I said, uh, all right, well, let's bunk let's bunk in together so we brought my team went into the same office with his team and in a matter of months we were just cross-selling each other's clients we were reselling services using each other as white label and it's like well this doesn't make any sense let's just yeah. merge our companies <laughs> so then we looked at this long list of domains that todd owned trying to come up with a company name and we're going down the list and we're like merged.ca well well shit that makes sense let's just call <laughs> ourselves merged perfect yeah. and there you go <laughs> yeah, an interesting thing because that's the situation I find myself in when, when I'm, you know, doing partnerships and, and stuff with people is finding the right domain name and the right business name is a proper pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. Merged is a good one. That's a good story to tell. Yeah. Ch Chat GPT helps out, helps that problem now a bit more, though. <sighs> Makes it a bit I'm just the least creative guy to, to come up with names. You're just, oh, it's awful. Absolute awful, but I think it's an SEO thing. I I, I think it's Todd's the same way. Anything that if the word branding comes up, Todd's like hiding under a couch, right? Like he, he wants nothing to do with that, right? So, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, so you merge together, um, and these people are, are you're coming into their office. Um, is that still the same office you're at just now? No, we've so we've uh, we've moved offices three times in the last uh, few years. Um, and so at one point we were actually uh, so we own a piece of a landscape company and uh, we own a, a percentage of that. And it's a landscape company, a local one. And uh, give you a bit of a story on it. So we um, when he came to us, his name's Colin. Colin came to us and, and his business was generating 200,000 a year in revenue, basically cutting lawns and, and doing lawn care for local uh, residential. And um, so when he met with us, we saw an opportunity to be like, hey, you know what? Why don't we 
why don't we work with you? Instead of you paying this monthly retainer to us, why don't we just get equity in your company and we'll help you grow? We'll offer you mentorship. You know, we'll uh, get your, we'll do lead generation for you, manage your social, manage your SEO, Google ads, take that all for, off, off your hands for you. We ended up growing this company from 200K to 1.3 million a year. Okay. So now we had, now his problem was not having to worry about the marketing. He can go and just focus on his crews and hiring staff and coming up with the operation and managing all that side of it. Um, the next year we ended up starting the franchise. Now we franchise to, we end up franchising to four locations. Um, in our local area here. And we basically created the blueprint for lead generation. Um, anytime there's a, a snowfall here, uh, they're getting about 70 to 80 calls because we're top one, two, and three in the listing for local snow removal. Um, and so that's helped us kind of help grow that business. So to go back to the question, we ended up sharing an office with the landscape company just to keep <laughs> close to them. And then through that experience, we've come to realize that putting a digital marketing agency with a landscape company in the same office ain't going to work. Landscapers, landscapers are, are filthy. They're not clean. And, and <laughs> they're just having to share a place with them was just not working out for us. So um, we ended up, uh, we're still owners in the company, shareholders in the company, but we got a spot here, downtown Guelph, which is much more of a hustle and bustle. It's got patios and much sexier for entertaining clients. Nice. <laughs> I've, uh, just to uh, understand your story, I have had, offices with people who were absolutely filthy and there became a point where the female toilet actually became our toilet like <laughs> and the other people had to use the male toilet because it was just absolutely horrendous oh yeah uh, and yeah. based on the toilet alone that we decided to to go on and get our own place um Never share with someone well, again. It's small things, eh? It's like, okay, well, who's who's picking up the tab on on the cleaning lady? Who's ordering the water? Who's the? You know, it's just like, who's doing this? Who's doing that? And and if you, do, you if you don't want to hire an office manager, you're in constant debates about shit like that. Who's doing the yeah. dishes this week? You know, like shit like that. It's just like you need you need your own space. In theory, at the at the get-go, it was like, yeah, this is great. We can kind of micromanage the landscape company, really help them grow and then it's like, yes, ain't fucking worth it. You know, <laughs> let's let's get our own spot here. So, uh, yeah, definitely. And think about that. Like you're bringing in digital marketing clients for a meeting in the same kind of place where landscapers there's like mud on the chairs and on the table and coffee stains here and there. It's like this ain't working. Nah, to hell with that. Yeah, not good. Um, but I want to touch a little bit on something you said there. Uh, lead gen, you've got the blueprint for lead gen, and I often find speaking to people like yourself, uh, if you're good at social, good at SEO, or whatever your framework is, you go on and get involved in multiple other companies. Just curious to know, you, you mentioned there about the landscaping company, but I'm assuming you've got your finger in a number of other pies, so to speak, as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, when you have the ability or skill set to rank a website, it opens up a lot more opportunities, right? So we've actually partnered with a real a, a real estate wealth magazine here in Canada, uh, one of the biggest ones called Canadian Real Estate Wealth. And uh, one of our clients is a, um, he's a real estate, he owns a real estate company. So he's looking to, to find investor leads. So the acquisition of this asset was a no-brainer for him. So when he brought us on board, um, we came and looked at the P&L. 
saw they were not making a whole lot of money in the print because they were basically in all of the local drugstores throughout Canada. You can find their magazine. We pulled that off of the shelf, invested that money into the SEO and content and ended up tripling the traffic in a year and a half. So um, that was a huge opportunity for us. So now we're, we, if you Google anything investor related in Canada, you're going to find Canadian real estate wealth near the top, which is great. And obviously that generates a lot of revenue through the ads that are on the, on the website as well. But this also opened up other opportunities in real estate. We've created uh, branches of our own agency where we focus just on real estate through that uh, acquisition and asset because we get a lot of real estate leads coming in through that um, along with uh, we have a dental arm to our business too. We focus a lot on dental because we have some great case studies there. Um, but yeah, in terms of, of, of we're, we're getting more involved in that. Like, look, like, I don't want to necessarily have an agency that's got 200 to 300 clients. Um, yeah. Not really interested in that. I'm more interested in embedding myself and, and Todd as well into businesses that we can actually have our hands in and really help grow. And in those type of plays, those are, those are equity plays for us. Equity is more important to us than the, than the retainer, you know? Yeah, no, I, I see that happening more and more. Hence why I wanted to, to pick up on that. Is it scale the agency or, try and do those deals and I think anyone with uh, any ounce of business sense would put their money where their mouth is and start to get skin in the game in other businesses why would you ever want to continually grow someone else's businesses you've got to to try and make that well, that's, that's it right you I mean you get to a certain point as an agency where it's like okay you know we're comfortable we're good you know what I mean like like we don't have to you know have tons of clients and hire a brand new staff or buy out another company and bring them on board. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's more enjoyable to really sink your teeth into a business or a niche and, and, and go all in on that. You know what I mean? And really understand it. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges to be honest that, that I've had by, you know, owning an agency for so long is I've never really niched. You know what I mean? Like we'll take anybody, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. Come, we'll help out anybody. But if you're somebody that's entered into the agency game in say the last couple of years and you just went all in on a niche, like good for you, because I mean, that's, that's really uh, the way to do it. Cause people obviously want to work with people that understand their business, their niche and their audiences. And and look, doing what we, what we're doing now, we're a chameleon, right? (laughs) Um, But now glad to hear it's working and stuff like that. Um, but a big part of growing your agency and stuff like that is is building the personal brand that you've built surrounding uh, yourself as well and going out on stages and, and podcasts and everything else that you've done. Um, and I noticed from your LinkedIn, you've done that for a number of years. We met at Tez out in Prague, uh, and I know you've done that. I think you said at the time as well, you've been to all of the tesis for the last X amount of years. Um, what what made you take that step into doing that? Because it's obviously something that a lot of people are uncomfortable with and you've just went and, and obviously taken to it like a duck to water. And, and you know, I, I've looked through your pictures on your um, Jason Hunt website. Um, so you've done a lot of these, but how did that go? How did that come about? Was that a deliberate thing or did you do one and before you knew it, you get asked to do more? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because I mean, going back just to, um, you know, historically, you know, having a band, 
And I always felt after I, I left the band and uh, came back to Canada from Japan and, and there was always that void that was never really being filled. So um, when I became the, the expert in, in, in social media, um, I figured, you know, this is a really good opportunity to educate others. And, and obviously being on stage is, is comfortable for me. I, I, I like that opportunity. And, and it really was kind of just snowball, snowballing it, right? My first, the first show I spoke at, I, I believe it was Tess back in like 2016, 17. And I'm like, wow, this speaking thing's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. And then it's just a matter of that and, and just getting other opportunities. Every single time I speak, I still get nervous as hell. Like going up, like that never goes away. But I also love it. It's like being prepared for a rugby game or something. It's that same type of feeling you have where it's just nervous. You don't know what's going to happen, you know. And then it's like it, it, I like to compare it to sports, like like football or or like rugby and American football, because once you get that first hit out of the way, or once you get that first punchline or that first laugh while you're speaking, it's the same type of feeling because everything just subsides and you're like good to go. You know? Yeah, and um. And I love it. I, I just love the adrenaline rush of doing it as well, right? And I find if you don't do it for a while, something's missing. You know, you got to do it again. It's, it's like a muscle you need to work too, right? <laughs> um, but doing that uh, obviously puts your face on out there onto another level, as does doing podcasts mm -hmm. and everything else. Certainly something I would highly encourage others who are potentially watching. Because uh, a lot of people say, you know, how do you generate leads or how have you got to where you've got to all of that kind of stuff? You know, I think the networking, putting your face about there is hugely important. Even us just meeting for a beer in, in Tez, it was like, yeah, let's have a beer. Let's chat some shit. And uh, you never know where that goes. Oh, hundred percent. You know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of times you look at, or a lot of people do podcasts and, and then the podcast sits in the podcast cemetery with 10 episodes and never another episode again. It happens. You see it with businesses all the time. Great idea. I got this great idea for a podcast. And then, and then nothing comes from it, right? Because they don't see that traction from the time invested. This is why people go and speak and they don't get the, the leads or results. So they never do it again. But yeah. the, 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 the ROI from a podcast is intangible, right? Because I, it's funny because I'll close a lead. I'll close a sale. And only will I realize after they become a client, they've been listening to my podcast for six months. Right. They saw me speak on a stage at some show. You know, they 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 read our blog. You know what I mean? All these type of things are happening without me knowing about it. So yeah. when they come and I have a conversation with them and they become a client and I walk away being like, well, that was that was easy. They already knew me way before I knew them. Yeah. And that's the power of like podcasting is people can eavesdrop in this conversation we're having right now and get to know who we are and 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 make a connection without us even knowing about it. And then next thing you know, they're a client. And uh, unfortunately, it's hard to track that, you know, that they listen to my podcast, but it, it, it's one of those intangible things that just comes along with it over time when you have the patience, patience to continue to do it, you know, month over month or week over week. Right? Yeah. I, it, it's strange that you say that because today I have a lead from a guy who has developed a WordPress theme um, and wants me to promote it in my YouTube channel. And the guy put at the bottom of it, um, I seen you speaking at Tez of all places. Oh, um, no way. So today, um, from an event that was what la this time last year or, or thereabouts, it was like August or whatever it was. Um, so he seen me speak there, 
he's went away, he's developed himself and his WordPress team or whatever it might be, and then reached out saying, you know, can can we collaborate and uh, can I pay you some money to to promote that on your YouTube channel? So that could make me a few quid. Um, that is the back pocket connection, right? Like you're in his back pocket, right? For when yeah. the time is right. And uh, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, and, but that 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 just happens, people. That's why that's why going to events is just so important. I had a guy today um, who I met at a local trade show. Um, it was a you know it was a free trade show. Anytime you go to a free event or a free business event, the quality of people walking the floor at that event is absolutely shit. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of you know, real estate agents, you know, maybe some mortgage brokers, people just if they're walking around this event on a Tuesday, they probably are not that busy. Right. So but one of the contacts that I met at this event was um, a great referral partner, you know, who's, who's referred a ton of business. So just because you go to an event and you don't get a, a lead ready to sign up tomorrow doesn't mean you can get some other sort of connection that you can make with somebody that can lead to something down the road. Like that example you just gave, Craig, like that's a great example. You weren't looking for it. You know, you always find it when you're not looking for it, you know. That's it. I think um, things come to you, obviously, if you make an impression or whatever through speaking or just that conversation with someone, they'll, they'll, they'll remember it. You, you can't mm -hmm. sell to everyone now. Um, and that's really, really important uh, to recognize because all I see when I go to a lot of events is people trying to sell to me, hassling me, um, you know, trying to pitch this, that, and the next thing. And, you, and, and my guard just goes up at that point. I'm like, it's cool. Like, every time. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. It's the exact same way that the, the way you go around a, uh, an event, like a, like a trade show or something like that, is the same way people need to think about when they sell on social. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. If you throw an ad in my face on social and I don't know who you are yet, you know, I'm probably going to hide your ad. You know, yeah, 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 I'm gonna hide it. I'm, I, I, and I don't want to see you again. You know, and much like at an event, if somebody comes to try, an affiliate manager comes up to me trying to sell me on some great affiliate offer. I'm like, dude, what's your name? Like, like <laughs> you want to grab a drink maybe first or something? You know, you know, like it's like I think it's so relevant when you think about the, when you think about the social uh, media space and actually the trade show event itself. The approach needs to be similar if you want to breed a long term relationship with a potential client. Yeah. No, definitely. Nothing's more irritating to me than someone who just comes up straight away and tries to sell. I had to actually, Tez, um, I had this chick, it's quite a funny story actually, and she she did offer to buy me a drink uh, straight away um, at the bar, but I was really drunk at the time and she's like, yeah, uh, can I talk to you? I'm an affiliate manager for this company, yeah. would love to get you on board, blah, 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 blah. So we're having this whole conversation and she's like, I've followed you for a year or, or whatever. I've been following you for a while. And I think you'll do a great job at this. And then I'm like, what is it you actually do? Like, what, what's the product? She's like, male masturbation. And I'm like, <laughs> who fucking sent you over here? Who sent you over? I thought I was being stitched up. Um, Try the stuff out. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to explain that one to the wife. And uh, one of my mates was with me. And he's like, send them to my house. And he is now affiliate for that person. But, yeah, the person came up to me and I had no clue who they were or whatever. But um, it was quite funny, that story. Because I just thought someone had sent her over to to wind me up. I get a kick. I get a kick out of anybody going to one of those shows for the first time. You know, because when you've been to a few of those shows, you can understand. You become decentralized, desensitized to a yeah. lot of the stuff that you see. And um, 
Like, you know, when you got models walking, you can actually pick it out. Walking, looking at the audience, you can tell somebody that's been at the show for the first time. You know, they're yeah, got their yeah, eyes yeah. pinned to the models. They see they, they see somebody wearing a strap-on dildo, and it's like uh, they can't stop looking at it. You know, it's <laughs> like these are the type of things that you see at, at these events. And that situation right there, like you just said, right? So, um, but also a lot of these, um, you know, probably affiliate networks are licking their lips at these newbies coming to a show like this, right? And uh, yeah. Because it's just, especially for affiliates going to shows like that, because there's just a lot of lucrative opportunities potentially in some of those niches like dating or cams, right? So Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the offer that that girl did make was 40%. So it was a, it was a lucrative offer. Uh, yeah. So it was fun. It was yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. But you're not going back. <laughs> no, I don't think. I, I mean, I may go back in the future, but uh, not the – not the niche that I work in, so yeah. it's interesting, but um, yeah, I'll leave it to the people that operate in that game. But, curious to know, uh, obviously we met at Tez, what has been your favourite event you've been to over the years? You, you spoke at a number, if I had to force you to pick one based on, not necessarily the, the, the level of content or whatever, but just the most enjoyable experience for you. As a speaker, okay. uh, ooh, as a speaker, okay. Um, I got, I got, I got two different ones. Okay, one was not a speaker, one was a speaker. Okay, um, the one that was not a speaker, um, so I, at my last company, we used to help promote a lot of these shows for um, in in the affiliate marketing niche specifically to adult, and we had uh, for one show we had we were actually going to get Method Man. Method Man was going to be the main the the main show. We were putting on this whole entire uh, event, nightly event, and funny story. So um, at the time, my uh, my boss was like, "Yeah, we got Method Man. We're good to go. We're good to go." So I post on social media, and it's like, "Get ready, we're bringing Method Man to New Orleans." It was a show in New Orleans called Internext. And an hour later, I get a response to my post from Method Man saying, "Get your lawyer and a checkbook ready." And I'm like, whoa. So I went to my boss, Luke, at the time. I said, Luke, are you sure we got Method Man? He's like, oh, yeah, everything's good to go. We're good to go. We're, we got Method Man. We're good. I said, are you sure we got Method Man? Because take a look at this. And he's like, what the hell is that? He contacted the manager. Everything was good to go with the manager. Um, the agent, everything was good to go with the agent. The only thing, only, only person that didn't approve it yet was Method Man. So Method Man got his notification of this show through my Instagram tag. <laughs> So needless to say, Method Man did not do the show, but we ended up getting Mob Deep instead, which was actually freaking awesome. And so uh, Mob Deep, uh, you know, there's only about 50 people at this event and Mob Deep doing a two hour set on stage. So we all got to meet Mob Deep after. It was just a super cool event. That was by far the funnest event I've been to. Um, but for speaking wise, man, AW Summit does a really good job for speakers because what AW Summit does is essentially they put like you're a rock star. If you're a speaker and you're speaking at AW Summit, you got the big sign, you got the big, uh, you know, the big screen, you got the, all the flashing lights, beautiful venue, and um, and they take care of you, right? So I think that's one of the big things as a speaker. It's like you just want to be taken care of, and and all speakers like to kind of feel like rock stars deep down inside, right? So when you're getting that rock star sort of service from an event, it goes a long way. So AW Summit and Traffic Summit was another one as well that happened last year in Istanbul. That was a great one as well where they take care of the speakers. You have your own speaker room where you're hanging out with the other speakers. Great for networking and, and great for meeting other like-minded people. What about you? What's your favorite? Um, 
I always revert back to there's one in Spain called SEO on the beach, um, mm. which is in a beach club. Um, there's only like four or five hundred people there maximum, uh, but they're all in the pool. The the best way to describe this is they, they do have a small seating area where maybe a hundred people can sit, um, but they've got screens all around this dome, so you can stand in the pool and still watch the speak uh, the, the speaker speaking. There's all these speakers and all that kind of stuff, so you can watch Ooh. it from standing in the beach having a cocktail or beer or whatever you drink. Um, I quite like that atmosphere in terms of. Uh, I've been to bigger events, you know. I've I've, I've been to Affiliate World where there's been six thousand people, um, and it's just chaotic. It's it's I, I mean it's a great event, but it's it's massive and it's not as personal as a smaller event. I much like the the, the slightly smaller event so that you can kind of talk to to most people there and stuff. So the SEO on the beach, just drinking beer all day on a beach while still being able to listen to talks and network and have a laugh as well um, is, is I would say, that one. I, I, I think that's super. What you just said is an excellent point. And plus, having a name like SEO on the beach, just you even have to go. It sounds like an amazing show, you know. But um, I think that uh, you're, 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 you're right. Like I've spoken at Affiliate Summit, which is a massive show. And you're right. It's just like it, it's chaotic. You can't really make a connection with people. You literally are making a connection five minutes after your talk and you're never going to see them again. Where at a show like uh, AW Summit or Traffic Summit, it's more intimate. You're doing things as a group because it is so intimate. Everybody's going to the same boat party. Everybody's going to the same, you know, uh, dinner. And, and those are the opportunities where you, you have experiences where you can build relationships. It's really tough to generate an experience at, uh, at an affiliate summit because it is so massive. Sure, they have the affiliate ball where they have like Busta Rhymes rapping or something, but you're not creating those intimate experiences, which I think are key for a show. Yeah, definitely. But uh, some of these shows do get out of control. And I think SEO on the beach, I was there last year and I was there again this year and it's getting bigger all the time. So it's mm -hmm. going to be come to a point where it's not going to be the same as it once was. I think mm. they will have to consider a bigger beach if they can or, or whatever it might be. But uh, things grow and evolve. But uh, Unfortunately, that's tough for uh, an event uh, organizer or owner of an event to do, is put yeah. a cap on something. You know what I mean? It's like they don't want, they want to grow. They want to grow. You know? So you're right. They might need to find a bigger beach. Yeah. But... Uh, Last but not least, least Jason, you have a book, um, dropping the mic or drop the mic marketing, how to find your social media voice. Obviously, it would be really unfair to talk about your business, your speaking, and everything else to not dig a little bit into social media, uh, which is, I am assuming, your main skill set and. Uh, it worked for some people, doesn't work for other people. And obviously, finding your voice in social media and, and how you go about doing that, can you give us some tips or what's in that book? Is that a useful book for someone who is maybe not so good at social media? Yeah. Blueprint? Yeah, so, that, so, so the book specifically is focused on, um, I'd say, you know, the ideal audience for that book would be people that uh, are business owners that don't prioritize social media. 
Um, you know, it's on their list of things to do. It's just never near the top. Right. And I, I think that's the, that's the big opportunity is, is, you know, nowadays people don't want to work with logos, right? They want to work with people and, you know, somebody, if it's not you, somebody needs to be the brand ambassador for your business. Somebody needs to be the face of the bills. business is building a connection. Um, you know, and a lot of business owners, it's not their comfort zone and that's okay. You just need to find somebody who is hire somebody who is, because that's, what's going to help really grow your business nowadays, especially when people are looking, uh, you know, at Google or looking at all the options at their disposal, something needs to be the differentiating factor between your business and your competition. So if you don't have somebody, a face of the brand doing that work, being that brand ambassador, I think you're missing out on a huge opportunity. And that all stems from social media and social media is, it's not hard. It's very easy. Obviously easy for me to say, but it is easy to do. It's just the, just prioritizing a little bit higher on your list of things to do. Yeah. Um, I actually have someone fully dedicated to that for me. Um, so I can reiterate, it's really important. People buy into people, um, not logos or whatever. And if you can utilize your personality and everything um, on these platforms, then it works very well for you. I think that's good. And that's the way things, if you think about it, Craig, that's the way things are like trending, right? Like with the emergence of AI and chat GPT, people are going to have a thirst for that human centered attention or human centered communication, human centered, you know, um, uh, connection. Right. And, and people are going to need that more and more as we go through, like nowadays, how many of your emails are actually generated through AI that you receive? Probably it's becoming more and more frequent. I'm yeah. sure. So people are going to be longing for that human to human connection. And I think if you can, you know, have somebody that out there as, as kind of the, you know, the flag for your brand, it's going to help your brand immensely in the, in the months and years to come. Do you think though, uh, just a final question before we wrap up, because we could speak all day, but I don't want to bore everyone to tears too long uh, because I know that attention spans wane after about 45 minutes and, um, you're the face of your company. Can you actually be doing the day-to-day -day business at the same time, or or were you faced with a decision where I can't I can't do the social media and be the face of the company and everything else? Does there become a point where you have to pick one or the other, or have you been able to do a bit of both? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think being the face of the company, it's imperative to be kind of, you know, responding to DMs on your social media, you know, getting on board with a platform like Threads, which just released yesterday, you know, <laughs> and, and being in there and communicating with other people. You know, there's certain things you, you don't want to necessarily have a third party do on your behalf, right? When you're trying to establish a connection. How awkward would it be at a trade show if somebody made a comment to you, you commented back and you have no recollection of it when you actually see them face to face. That's that super awkward. Right. <laughs> but um, I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's an important part of the job. However, um, obviously, you need to, to be consistent with that approach. Right. And being a brand ambassador means being the face of the business. Uh, prerequisite to that is running your social media and, and, and managing your social media. And that doesn't need me. That doesn't need to mean that you're actually editing every piece of video. Obviously, yeah. having a team behind you to help support that. But, you know, being present, I think, is, is super important on your social. Um, I hope I answered that question. Yeah, no, I think uh, for, certainly for me, I don't want to edit videos and mm. chop things up and make all the shorts. Uh, but 
I don't want to have other people communicating on my behalf. Uh, I think that's vital. So it's getting that balance right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 it doesn't have to be have to be hard. And this goes to this transcends to to multiple industries, right? It's just you know providing that known like and trustability as cliche as it is right it, it, as cliche as it sounds but really that's what you need to grow is that no like and trustability because that's at the end of the day that's what's going to have somebody choose you over somebody else you know what i mean it, it is them knowing you no liking you and, and trusting you and I, I find social media is is the best way to convey that yeah for sure <coughs> but jason uh first off I want to thank you for taking the time to come on and share your words of wisdom. Secondly, if anyone likes what they've heard from you and wants to learn more, what is the best place for people to find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, us again, thanks again for the opportunity, Craig. It's been awesome. Love talking to you. Um, if people want to get in touch, definitely give me a follow at jhuntofficial, J-A-Y-H-U-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Uh, it's, you can find me on TikTok. You can find me on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere uh, with that tag or just look for Jason Hunt. Uh, there's a few Jason Hunts out there. If you Google, it might be tricky to find me, but uh, just uh, hit me up on Instagram, TikTok or Facebook or threads. Yes, and the links will be below, guys. So make sure you do get in touch. And Jason, thank you very much again. It has been an absolute pleasure. Definitely. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate you. Oh, man.